0: What's up, everyone? Zane here with Everything Virtual. Just want to give a heads up on this episode. Unfortunately, Ronnie ran into a little bit of a technical difficulty with one of his microphones. And so the audio is really not that great. Just Trying to be honest and upfront with you guys. We did figure out what the issue was, but unfortunately we weren't really able to save the audio here in post-processing. So, uh, we, but we still wanted to share it with you guys. There's a lot of really cool things and announcements in the episode. Uh, we're hoping to do a round two with the developer in the future. So uh, if you could bear with us, again, this is just a one episode hiccup, but we thought that the stuff in there was just too good not to share. So again, we apologize in advance and we hope you still enjoy the episode and get a lot out of it. Thanks, and uh, enjoy.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Ronnie at Everything Virtual, and today I have a special guest on our show. I have Andreas. He's the Marketing and Communications Manager for Fast Travel Games. And for those out there that aren't familiar with Fast Travel Games, they're a VR-exclusive studio based in Stockholm, Sweden, and they're the studio behind Apex Construct, which was was a game that uh, initially came out in, in march of 2018 about a year ago on all of the major vr platforms and more recently uh they they launched the title with the uh with the launch of the quest so thank you so much for for coming on the show with us today andrea uh, andreas i really appreciate it thanks for having yeah. me it's great to be here. yeah and uh i guess before kind of going deep into apex construct itself and and also uh, the two new titles that you recently announced today. Um, mm-hmm. If you could uh, tell okay. us a little bit about fast travel games, and more specifically, I guess, how you and the studio uh, got into VR.
2: Sure. So, and I mean, as you mentioned, we are VR based in, are Stockholm, based in uh, Stockholm, and uh, uh, the, the studio was founded, founded in the in summer of 2016. 2016 so, so it's, it's actually, actually, this month, it's three years, years
1: since that's the amazing. studio was founded. Was
2: founded. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and our founders were three industry friends, <coughs> Oscar, Eric, and Christopher. Uh, they all had quite prominent lead positions at uh, bigger developers such as EA Dice or Rovio, for example. Um, and during their time in these, these studios, they got to try out early versions of the uh, Oculus Rift, for example, the early-day kits and stuff, and basically fell in love with uh, the medium and the potential for for vr gaming for the future um and they started talking about you know we've been in the flat screen gaming industry for so long now it might be time time for us to do uh, something new together Uh, and that's that's you know they all had a a shared passion for vr and the potential of (laughs) what it could deliver what kind of gameplay experience it could deliver so they basically uh, left their uh, positions at the studios they were at at that point and founded Fast Travel Games to, uh, get, you know, get deep into VR gaming in the early days. And, uh, yeah, from there, I mean, it's uh, it was around the time where HTC Vive and Oculus Rift had recently launched mm-hmm. a couple of months earlier, so VR was still a new, a fresh thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were all convinced that, you know, VR gaming would be... If not the exclusive future of gaming at least a very very big part of uh, of gamers
1: lives going forward so that's how it started out okay and, and that's that's um, that's amazing i mean it, it kind of echoes you know how we started the podcast really because we we started the podcast in in late 2016 and it was I, I, it was kind of a similar thing like as far as uh it seemed to us that it was really evident that vr was going to have a major impact one way or another and uh, it was the perfect time to kind of start something because it's such a new medium it's so exciting kind of the the possibilities were endless and it's it's i i know like a, especially hearing from a lot of different develop developers uh that were at, at larger studios kind of making the jump over into vr uh, yeah. I, I don't know uh, when did when did you join the team what were you there around that time or did you come later
2: I, I came in a little later, later because levels, I think when, when they started they out, they they started to, to explore uh, with VR gameplay mechanics and had an, a, a rough idea on what kind of game they would like to bring.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <coughs> and as, as that game got closer to being finalized, they also realized that, oh, wait, we have to have someone who can actually bring this game to market. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> And, and, you know, they found me, I found them, and, and uh, it's been a mutual love since then. I actually joined in uh, October 2017. Okay. So a little over a year after the, the studio was founded. Uh, but also, again, I, 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 I joined just a few weeks before Apex Construct was announced.
4: Okay.
3: Just, uh,
2: <laughs> you know, quite late. For yeah. Mark- marketer to come in and start to create a go-to-market plan. In but, two weeks, really, but that's that's what yeah. I had to do.
4: So,
1: no, that
2: and, you know, s- similar similar to Eric Oskar and Christopher, who's been in the, in the gaming industry for a long, long time, and that, you know, maybe, maybe that's, that's also that's a big reason why point. they felt they had to do something new and and were excited about VR and it some stuff they couldn't do in flat screen gaming. Yeah. I felt the same, really, from a marketing and communications perspective. That I've been at that point, that I've been in the industry for. Thirteen years, and I've been at, at different companies. I've also been at Dice EA for a few years. I've okay. been at Bandai Namco, for example, a Japanese developer and publisher. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of felt the same way as they did. Like VR is something completely new, and I, I just have to try to utilize all my uh, skills, my toolboxes, and mm-hmm. my experience into this new, this new industry that's you
1: know is booming or is okay. about to boom. So, yeah. So I, I actually yes.
2: came okay. in a little later. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, on that point, like I, I, that's actually really interesting to, to kind of hear your story on the marketing side. Uh, what's it been like to be on, on that side of the VR industry and in its kind of infancy? And what have the differences been uh, marketing for a VR studio versus uh, what your experience was like in the traditional gaming space?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I mean, this, this is a topic I can, can talk, talk about, about for hours, <laughs> but I'll try to keep it <laughs> relatively short. Um, I actually wrote a piece about it as well a couple of uh, months back. Okay. I, the, I mean, the biggest differences between the flat screen gaming industry and the VR gaming industry from a marketing perspective <laughs> is, uh, you know, probably the, the lack of consumer insights that we're facing today in uh, VR. We only have really three years of uh, data. Mm-hmm. Uh, since, since the first consumer VR headsets were released, mm-hmm. so we do not really understand our consumers today, we don't know you know, you know what's going, going to sell, to for example, example. Mm-hmm. there hasn't been any sequels dropping, mm-hmm. for example, it's, it's too early
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, so, so it, it's, it's a little a bit, bit like, like going go in with blinders on and, and just trying things for yourself as the a marketer there, what works, what, what, what relates with the audiences and what doesn't relate and why, and, and just try to build up your own sort of foundation of insights and uh, and tools to use as well. I mean, it's, um, you know, from a classical sort of marketing perspective, if you want to run advertising or if you have an initiative that you want to promote on social media, uh, there are limited ways to reach a, a VR core target group.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So
2: uh, you can do it, but it's, it's, it's very limited. So, mm. Um, the, the, the traditional ways of doing marketing doesn't really apply today on VR. I would
1: say. <clears throat> yeah, and I, yeah. And my, yeah. No, I, no. That's really interesting. And, and I guess on that on that note, uh, what kind of metrics do you guys use to determine kind of the success rate and the? Because yeah, I would imagine, uh, like you said, given that there there isn't a lot of data out there, um, mm-hmm. what what have you guys used to kind of gauge? what is and what isn't successful with your audience? Sales. Okay.
2: <laughs> now, i okay. uh, I mean, <laughs> part of it, of course. But, you know, who, who knows if it's a good or a bad yeah. figure that we're looking at. We are happy now with the Oculus Quest uh, launch and the Apex Construct figures, but it's really just, you know, when it comes down to it, it's more like a gut feeling. Than anything else, we know, of course, what what it cost us to make Apex Construct. We know what we have to sell, mm-hmm. and the revenue we had to to, to break, break even. even. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, <clears throat> but that's just that's just the ultimate goal. Like breaking mm-hmm. even with your first game is like that's what you want to do. But mm-hmm. in terms of marketing, to understand if your initiatives and ideas are successful or not. It's mm-hmm. it's it's really hard today, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, part if you run an ad on Reddit or Twitter or Facebook, of course you will have your KPIs and your metrics in there and you compare. You can compare your previous ad or promotion to the next one you do mm-hmm. and see and, and tweak things and see what works mm-hmm. but my feeling is that it's, it's a little bit like all over the place at the moment mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you really have, have to build your own understanding on what works and what doesn't because you, you don't get much data from first party today in VR mm-hmm. which is uh, also again it's it's troublesome for us we, mm-hmm. we really don't know how many VR headsets have been sold on the market mm-hmm. uh, especially on PC or Oculus Quest we have no idea well we have some idea because we can we can do some guesstimates mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: but that transparency is just not there today from mm-hmm. from HTC or from Oculus PlayStation is doing like their annual or biannual updates on on the PSVR headsets and we know that they sold 4.2 million mm-hmm. live to date in March this year for example so mm-hmm. um, it's it's trying to compile the insights as you can to build mm. up your own case and saying are my initiatives successful or not. You know if if huh. this is our audience, if this is this is the target groups we have to hit. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's fun. It's also part of why I wanted to join this, because huh. uh, at, uh, at some, some point, point I felt like, like I'm like just pushing just push metrics around. So.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I have too much insights almost uh, at mm-hmm. the EA. You know, Some, some, some say, say that EA has 97% of all the world's gamers uh, in their, their database. database. I mean, wow. Almost everyone who's played a game has at some point been in touch with the EA ecosystem so, and huh. given them some data about themselves.
1: That makes
3: sense.
2: Which is, it, it does make sense, and it's amazing for EA. But it also, you know, if you work with that for too long, it takes away a bit of, like, the fantastical things about yeah. doing the unexpected and, and trying new things and see what works, because you really have used, uh, to <laughs> you know printed for you.
1: Yeah, you, you kind of you, know ahead of you time.
2: Know, you know, yeah, so there's a lack of surprises. Spices. So VR huh. is really much like going back to the childhood again and rediscovering things that you thought you had, you know, you knew
1: which is uh, really, really fun for me. Well, personally. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a really interesting point because I think at least so far how VR development has kind of gone, uh, it's amazing to me that with the launch of the Quest, for example, how many titles that came out in 2016 on those mm-hmm. platforms that were cutting edge then, uh, yeah. you know, are, are coming back to the market now on a platform that honestly, in many respects, is still cutting edge. And, and these yeah. titles are being introduced again several years later to a completely new audience I, I mean obviously there's a lot of overlap in the audience as well but I, I'm I guess the hope there with the quest for example is that you know a bunch of new uh, new people people new to the game and new to the to the medium are going to be trying the game again so yeah I'm kind of curious yeah. what what it's like from a marketing and development standpoint there kind of, uh, mm-hmm. what what the choices are in terms of making a game that is going to perhaps have a longer shelf life, you know, than most.
2: Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good, good question. question. We, 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 I mean, it's construct for us is, is uh, a little over a year old, old now. now, and uh, we, we, at, 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 the, at the, the time, time the when we released it for the PC headset and, and PlayStation VR, we, we didn't did know anything, of course, so. about the quests, and we didn't know that we were going to make uh, a sort of a more mass market version, <laughs> of yeah. time, if you want to call it that. Uh,
3: yeah.
2: <clears throat> so uh, that's, that's that's true. That you know, again, we don't really know about the Oculus Quest consumer behavior today. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really know how most people are uh, engaging with the Quests. You know, are they moving around? Are they standing up? Are they sitting down? Mm-hmm. How long are they playing? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If the player behavior changes, because the headset is now untethered and more pick up and play. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that might also, also affect game development, development going forward. For, for Apex Construct, it mm-hmm. hasn't really, we didn't really make any changes to the product itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the game is exactly the same as the PC counterpart in terms of content and gameplay mechanics. Um, so, so, I mean, I think time will tell if. You know, know, insights from from the the Oculus Oculus Quest Quest, uh, will change the way we make games going forward. Mm -hmm. To be more of a uh, you know a new kind of audience, not uh, not as hardcore as the the high end PC. Uh, But I think PlayStation VR again is you know those consumers are not as you know hardcore as a very. uh, is a word that he has been using for way too long, way too many ways. Mm-hmm. But but it's more of a uh, mass market general gaming audience on PlayStation VR compared mm-hmm. to PC VR. So I think the bridge between those two audiences is uh, not as uh, far as between the PC and, and the Quests. Um, but I think time will tell, it's, it's still early days for Quest. We are, you know, we're super excited about the Quest. I think everyone here at Fast Travel is pretty much in love with it. And, and
3: mm-hmm.
1: we're
2: playing much more VR today yep. than we did before because
1: it's so quick now and so easy to get into the game you want to play. No, I, I um, told, yeah, that's, I, I've had the same experience. I mean, as someone that is an, an enthusiast on the, on the PC VR side, uh, mm-hmm. since I've gotten yeah. my Quest, just realizing how many more opportunities there are to just pull it out quickly and have a gaming session. And, and sometimes you, uh, you, know, you, you put the quest on and you think you're just going to play for 15 minutes and it ends up being yeah. a longer ses- session. But just yeah. the fact that it's so easy to just pick up and play whenever you, you want, I, I think yeah. it, it leads to a lot more time in the headset in general.
2: It does. Uh, and, you you know, know, to your, your point about, about the different, different uh, audiences, well, we supported crossfire with Apex Constructs, Constructs, which means that, that if you wanted to own it on, on Oculus Rift, you would automatically get it for Oculus Quest.
3: Mm-hmm, and
2: mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we we, we we discussed that concept uh, back and forth here in the studio, like should we support CrossPy or not? We ultimately decided to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first few weeks now, the same data that we up. have from the Oculus Quest version of Apex Construct is that... It hasn't hurt us. Uh, on the contrary, we, we saw a big, quite big increase in Oculus Rift sales hmm. following our announcement of Crossbike. Hmm. Um, and the Oculus Rift, the, the Oculus Quest launch day actually brought uh, the best Oculus Rift unit sales for, uh, for us huh. as well. Uh, and now, you know, two weeks in, or uh, looking at only the launch week actually of Apex Constructs and Oculus Quest. That launch week was 400 percent better in terms of Unix sales compared to the Rift launch week a year ago. Wow! So we have data to say to support our decision now that you know by didn't hurt our business because we would never have sold so much if that was the case.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so that's uh, that's really encouraging for us. I think like. You know, of course, you know, now Apex is part of a new headset launch. That wasn't the case in yeah. 2018. They've yeah. been out for a few years at that point in time. And, and I think when we released Apex, Steam had over 3,500 VR games listed. Uh-huh. Uh, on Oculus Quest, now it's 52. But well, now it's actually a few more because uh, a few yeah. more I was
1: released. It I saw that. A few, A few recently yeah. came out.
2: Yeah, exactly. But still, I mean, it's it's a very limited. Yep. Which are, which, are, which we of course we we appreciate that. Yeah. The ecosystem. So it's for us as a studio, it's it's a good thing that yeah.
3: the
2: the content is curated. And yeah. That's I mean that's a totally different thing that what consumers on PC VR has been experiencing for a long time now, both on Rift and Steam VR. Yeah. There are thousands and thousands of. Games in in different with different quality and different price points on mm-hmm. Steam. You can find games from one dollar up to sixty dollars, so it's mm-hmm. it's really all over the place. Yep. Oculus Quest is doing something different now, trying to be a bit more uh, curated when it comes to bringing quality content into their store and trying to be a bit more easy to digest for consumers as well. Yeah, the consumers who are not really used to searching through, you know, hundreds and hundreds of games and researching about their games, they're mm-hmm. most likely uh, buying uh, games quicker No, as, that's uh, on, Ocu- okay. on Oculus Quest.
1: No, that's a really interesting point. And I mean, coming, coming from, again, someone that has had a lot of experience on the other platforms, like on one hand, I love the fact that I'm able to go on Steam or the Oculus Store for the Rift and just mm-hmm. you know be able to peruse and find all kinds of weird stuff from all mm-hmm. all types of sizes of development teams and and really like one of the things that i love about VR the most is how many kind of quirky and kind of out there types of experiences there are but on the other hand mm-hmm. like i i can't i can't help but <coughs> but realize how much easier it's been for me with the quest to quickly kind of see what's out there and know like you know, what types of games I like to play and what kinds of experiences. Like, there's something about the simplicity and the uh, the you know the, mm-hmm. the the level of curation in the Quest Store that makes buying games, I think, a lot more approachable. So, yeah,
2: yeah I, agree. I agree. And then, you yeah, know, I agree. They, they are adding new content as well. As well. I, I think they yes, well, a couple of days ago they announced that they would ha- would have over 100 games available on the Quest uh, at the end of this year. Yeah. That means that there is, like, an average one or two games releasing every week for the quests. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's not Steam numbers, of course. But, yeah. Uh, ultimately, the catalog will be... You know, big and hopefully have a high enough quality so that most content on the Quest is actually interesting to some people.
3: Yeah. So, no, and
2: I, and I hope it's... Uh, it's uh, easy it's for us as a studio to say that this is a good thing because we yeah. have our games. Exactly. <laughs> right. I understand that some studios who can't get the same, uh, you know, uh, don't have the same luck as we did or whatever mm-hmm. you call it, uh, it's, it's tricky for them, of course. And, and uh, of course, some consumers who will always want the Steam. Kind of experience where they can browse and find anything, like in in the
1: titles. Yeah, no, it's it's a tricky it's a tricky balance I guess to play because yeah, like I was saying, I I like to try all kinds of things and and as you mentioned, if if a game, I mean, I've heard stories out there of developers that had games ready to ship and had trouble getting it approved for the launch or approved for you know the quest just generally speaking. But then, like like I said, like you were mentioning on the flip side. Um, I, I have firsthand experience with people that uh, have bought quests that have no idea how to use Steam, for example, that have never yeah. touched traditional games, but are really interested in uh, about VR. And, and mm-hmm. even even to them, like you'd be surprised still, like when I'm giving them recommendations for games, they they feel like. Like even even the limited selection that's there in, on the quest right now is sometimes a little bit too much for them. Like they they appreciate right. having kind of firsthand you know accounts of what games to try, even with the limited number. So uh-huh. yeah. so, so I don't know. Absolutely. It's a yeah. It's it's that's that's an interesting you know problem to solve, I guess. And it depends on. I mean, what what are your kind of uh, what's your experience with? how the quest has been in, in terms of curation versus like the playstation vr for example because it yeah i know you mentioned steam and rift as examples of kind of the more kind of free market like larger scale uh, stores and my understanding is yeah. playstation vr has been a little bit better in terms of the curation side but um yep. what, what what have you guys seen in, in that on that front
3: Yeah, Yeah, I think so. I think it's somewhere in in
2: between uh, what uh, Oculus Oculus Rift did, or is doing, and and what Oculus Quest is doing today. There is is a curation happening, happening, and there's a process where you have to apply to get your game released on PlayStation VR. Our experience is that you don't really uh, get a decline. (laughs) You you don't get declined by, by PlayStation if you have a proper product and a proper sort of presentation to. Mm-hmm. Uh, a proper submission to PlayStation. Um, the experience for us and from other similar studios around the world is that there's there's very rarely the case where Sony would say, "Sorry, we're not releasing this." Um, they they do have a lot of QA uh, dependencies on on the studio. So I mean, they have. I think on PC, it's a little bit more loose when it comes to frame rates and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's something that you really have to work a long time with for PlayStation, and it's back and forth. Uh, they have a, their own VR submission uh, during the development phase, where they only test the VR functionalities and capabilities. Um, so that's that's on top of the normal QA submission that you have, you have to do to as, well. as well. So if mm-hmm.
3: um,
2: if if you, if you if make your sort of presentation of the game correct, and if, if you, you if you spend time on fixing whatever you need to fix from a QA perspective. Mm-hmm. Quality assurance perspective. Mm-hmm. Then I think you, sh- you 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 will be able to release on PlayStation. Oculus today is a bit different. They look more at what kind of content do we want on our store uh, that can represent the headset and be a representation of our audience. So it's a difference. Uh, today I think there's a little bit. It's around 400 titles that have been released live to date on PlayStation mm-hmm. VR. I think so. Okay. There's there's definitely some curation going on, but it's not as uh, harsh as on uh, Oculus Quest, and or they have a different mindset and mentality as to what
1: content to accept. Hmm. In, in your opinions, have there been um, any differences? I, I know you at the beginning were saying that it's difficult to have any kind of metrics on 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 how many you know besides, I guess, unit sales on each platform. But in yeah. in your estimation, are there certain things? To focus on to be successful on on like the console on the console VR side as opposed to the PC PC VR side or.
2: Um, I would say one thing, thing, thing that, has, that's, that's been really successful, successful for us, uh, and unfortunately we didn't do it at the launch of the Apex Construct, We did it afterwards, but uh, uh, we decided to release a demo of our game
3: mm-hmm.
2: on the PlayStation Store. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, And that demo, we we had some time ago, we we had reached over 100,000 downloads of the demo. And we have seen an impact, quite a substantial impact on the baseline sales, um, comparing the time before the demo went live,
3: which was
2: summer last year, (laughs) and the time after. Um, So I think, you know, on the PlayStation Store, there aren't many VR games. Demos
3: today, Mm -hmm. which
2: is uh, a good thing if you're planning to do so. so Yeah, Um, and that's something we decided to do, especially for a game like ours, where we can, you know, give the the first introductory level uh, of our game, which is a story, narrative-driven action adventure with exploration Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. a single-player narrative throughout the game.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Our first introductory Mm -hmm. level is, is, uh, I think, we we at least we we deemed it. Good enough to entice interest into the product, but mm. without revealing too much of the story and, and uh, all the gameplay game mechanics, mechanics that you would come to, to uh, experience later, later on. on. So, so for us, a demo worked out really, really well. Huh. Uh, we did release a demo on Steam as well. And yeah, that hasn't that hasn't been nearly as successful as a PlayStation, 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 PlayStation demo. PlayStation okay, uh, and I think, I think that's because of the lack of competition, competition on the PlayStation, PlayStation store today.
3: So yeah.
2: Uh, really, so uh, that's you know that's one suggestion I would give any studio to have a look at that. It, it does require a little bit of extra work, of course. You need yeah. a, a build for it, and you have to have some kind of wrapping, uh, like an, sort of an end. The, the demo needs to end in an exciting way, of course, and then you have to have some kind of messaging about the game and stuff like that. But if you have the time and resources to do that, it's uh, from, from our perspective, it's definitely worth it.
1: Okay, and, and and that makes a lot of sense. Like as far as when you released the title on on PC versus PlayStation VR, like how close do you remember exactly how close to launch of PlayStation VR you were versus because PC? I know PC VR had you know launched like consumer PC VR and really launched in in late twenty sixteen. I'm trying yeah. to remember when PlayStation VR when. The launch date for that was do you do you remember or yes
2: yeah, it was uh, mm-hmm. november that year
1: uh, okay
2: so okay the same year, but, but okay to the end of the year huh, so that's
1: interesting because i because i my my gut when you were talking was wondering if the launch of the hardware had anything to do with necessarily the exposure to the demo and sales and all that kind right. of stuff but but yeah so so it sounds like people were able to find the demo of apex construct a lot easier on the PlayStation VR, despite the fact that you, you weren't coming out at launch. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. That's, that is interesting. So that, that would lead you to believe that it, it, it didn't necessarily have to do with the large volume, maybe, but just the way in which they're, they're promoting content. I'm curious as to kind of what yeah, the differences well, would be. Course,
2: of, 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 course of course, it has to involve you. I mean, we have estimated,
3: okay. that,
2: depending on some data that has spilled from, from HTC or from experts, there yeah. might be closer to a million HTC Vive headsets sold. Okay. Uh, around the same for Rift, while yeah. PlayStation has sold over 4 million. So, yeah. even, even, even looking at that and, and you know, taking that into account, mm-hmm. um, we have had 10 times as many downloads of the PlayStation VR demo. That we have had of the Steam demo, wow. so it, it's not it's not only to do with install base it Yeah. on PlayStation VR. It has to do with uh, you, uh, accessibility or you know how you find your way around the PlayStation Store, the lack of competitive demos from other studios, stuff like that. So, huh. and it's still it's still very much the case.
1: But besides um, just like the the kind of obvious numbers, I guess that you know of, of units sold and that sort of thing of different headsets. I mean, what kind of information? Would you like to have from the from the first party, you know, from the 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 storefronts and the, the 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 HMD manufacturers to to help you figure out what to do in development? Well, I, I do
2: think that the Oculus backend dashboard. That you get access to as a developer is really great there you can see not only your unit sales per day of course it's even a sort of a live tracking sales um, metric or widget in it but there's also uh, average spent uh, of time in your game for example so we know now that people are Apparently, spending more time on average on Apex Construct on the quest than they do on Rift, Okay. Um, and then we can investigate. You know, has, does it have something to do with uh, the, the kind of player that is actually enjoying the quest at the moment? So mm-hmm. Does it have to do with the fixes that we brought to the game, or you know, interface uh, tweaks that we made for the quest version that is also being brought to the PC version?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Stuff like that. We can we can derive sort of insights from that. Uh, hmm. Then you have, of course, uh, lifetime installs. Uh, there is a bunch of metrics that you have in that dashboard, which is great. Uh, so I would say, Oculus is, is by far the easiest one to make something out of when you try to make uh, decisions to what you should do next or what you should uh, improve upon your game. And uh, Steam is Steam is uh, not as uh, <laughs> detailed or granular. I would say. I mean, there are metrics, but it's it's presented in a very very. A comprehensive way, so it takes time to digest. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. The dashboard in Oculus is very much a one pager with with widgets that show you basically everything. Okay. Um, PlayStation, you don't have much insights at all. We we mm. do have our own backend, of course, uh, where we can look at uh, how many players are coming into the game. That's that's the metric, metric we you know, know we're highly interested in, of course, to see how many new players we are gaining, uh, mm-hmm. how many are returning players, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a bit like a cut and paste to get a full picture, especially if you're cross format like we are. Mm. Um, you have to be you have to you have to spend some time actually digesting and collecting data and using different tools and stuff.
1: Hmm. I'm I'm kind of curious as far as like your views of the different platforms on, Playsta- on uh, excuse me, on PC VR. Um, how do you view kind of the launch of new hardware? So, for example, you Mm -hmm. know, the Vive and the Rift, they both came out in in late 2016, and they've kind of been established now for several years. But over the course of those releases, we've had, you know, a few smaller, like we had Windows Mixed Reality come out, which is probably the largest one since then um, on the PC side. And then there have been, you know, a few enthusiast type like Pimax and these kind of headsets here and there, which I would imagine don't make a huge impact. But I, I know that... You know with the with the valve index coming out you know later this month for the first wave of, uh, yeah. of, of people I'm just kind of curious do you guys see those as potential opportunities to to sell new units of, of the game or or do you see that as just a continuation of the market that's kind of already out there
2: uh, I, I guess, guess it's depending, depending on what angle you take. you take for me as a marketer, I see them as new opportunities, definitely. Okay. Mm-hmm. There, and, and hopefully then, with the Valve Index, for, for example, example, or with the Rift, Rift S, S who also relates to the Quest, uh, uh, even though it's an, it's, it's an improvement on the Rift, it's mm-hmm. a sort of a new headset mm-hmm. that doesn't require the cameras, external mm-hmm. cameras, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I view every, every of those headsets as a marketing opportunity, opportunity to mm-hmm. uh, reach out to... to uh, or, or actually sort of tap, t- tap t- into the t- hype, hype on the Valve Index, this, on social media or, or Reddit, Reddit. The, f- the subreddits that are out there, for example, mm-hmm. uh, the closed community groups on the Facebook or the Oculus forums, stuff like that. I mm-hmm. I try That's to right. you know use the hype and, and put Apex Construct into the mix as much as I can in a, in a transparent and honest way. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a development perspective, I think it's... Uh, you know, even the Valve Index is still a Steam title, yeah, and Oculus Rift S is an Oculus store title, so uh, we don't necessarily treat them as, uh, you know, new releases. Quest, of course, is a, is a totally different thing, because then we have to make a specific version for the Quest for that store.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: for Valve Index, for example, we are, you know, our game will, will look great on Valve Index, and it will be, you know, a, enjoyable and uh, as, as good, good as, as it is on the other, other platforms, platforms with a bit of a higher uh, visual fidelity due mm-hmm. to the headset, but we're, we're not really um, making a new version of our game for mm-hmm. the Valid X. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and Pimax and those mm-hmm. other headsets, we, we haven't have really spent to the any development, development time tweaking Apex to be perfect for specifically Pimax. Mm-hmm. We have played Apex on Pimax. We did it a couple of weeks back and it looks amazing. The comments mm-hmm. are super crisp and the field of view is... It's smashing, uh, mm-hmm. but but it's it's really not something we spend a lot of time with at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of course, you know we when do the necessary tweaks to, make, to make, make the game run and look great on each headset. headset. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's more of a it's more of an opportunity to uh, sort of relaunch Apex towards a potential new
1: consumer base. Okay. Well, well. I guess on 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 that note, uh, I think it makes sense to kind of go a little bit deeper into the development of Apex Construct itself. Um, sure. Could you talk a little <laughs> bit about kind of the inspiration behind behind Apex Construct and kind of what your goals were in terms of that project?
2: Yeah. yeah I mean, so, so, so Apex is our a, debut title, and uh, 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 I think it uh, it's it uh, a lot about what kind of studio that our founders saw for themselves uh, being created. We we knew quite early on that we wanted to take VR very seriously, uh, not in a boring way, but in a a way that looks at what is possible in VR for a gameplay or immersion or experience perspective that you cannot do in in flat-screen gaming. So, a first-person view with hands was a thing that we decided upon very early. Because in, in our perspective, that's that's the most immersed you can be mm. to believe that you are actually the person in this world walking around and doing things and lifting things and interacting with the environment. So that that was a really really important thing for us to to put the player in a completely different world uh, with as much VR specific tools to help us out to do that as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. You know, so so one very important thing was that we wanted to create a world that people wouldn't want to leave, that they would actually find interesting and where anything that you could see you could actually interact with it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: There is no dead object. We wanted to remove all the barriers that stopped you from being fully immersed, really. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> then we also decided that we would, would not be a studio that uh, maybe it has to do with you know a bunch of us coming from dice for example where mm-hmm. military shooters is a good is a big thing of course mm-hmm. battlefield. Mm-hmm. we decided early on that this is not what we will be making we won't be making realistic weapons or uh, you know where you shoot humans in mm-hmm. the face. Mm-hmm. That can be um, immensely fun in, in gaming, of course. Of course I, 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 like, you know I, I, like, I enjoy, enjoy I <laughs> enjoy the shooters as well. Yeah. But, uh, for VR and for us, that was not going to be what fast Show games was
3: about. Okay. There's also
2: a moral. There's also a moral aspect of you know VR. Immersing people, people to an extent it where mm-hmm. it gets it's harder it's to separate, separate. Uh, mm-hmm. reality from from uh, gaming hmm. and uh, if you would snipe someone in the head for example in a close-up headshot in vr it's it's an experience that we that's not a route we wanted to take hmm. so uh, go, go back, back to, to, to that we wanted to create space. something fantastical um, instead a unique world with unique interactions and belief about the belief of a place that you could explore. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, narrative and story was also a big part of what we wanted to do, because that's what we believe is a little bit underexplored today mm-hmm. of, uh, or underused in VR. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that narrative and storytelling can can be so strong in VR, um, it's something we wanted to try out early on to be, you know, eventually become really good at. So, mm-hmm. um, a single and, and also single player that decision was, you know, part, uh, I'd say, commercially based. Because at the time when Apex were being, in the early days of development, the install base wasn't that big uh, in VR. And a multiplayer game... uh, would be a yeah, bit troublesome to uh,
3: have to sustain.
1: Yeah, uh, have it
2: ongoing. Yeah,
1: it's, I mean, in- it, it's
3: getting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So no, that good. that's kind of interesting because it's almost like the inverse of what you see on the traditional gaming side, where there have been yes. more, m- there's been more and more of an emphasis on the multiplayer aspects and less of an emphasis on uh on single player. But in in VR, you're totally right because of the install based differences i don't know just in general the way people are spending their time it seems like it's pretty difficult to 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 make multiplayer experiences that people will be able to you know spend a lot of time in yeah
2: exactly i mean there are some quite cool examples like like this game called spider heroes made by by a a swedish uh, fellow studio here in stockholm uh, they decided to do a multiplayer game only in on VR, but they also did cross-platform,
3: mm-hmm. which means mm-hmm.
2: that yeah. Go players can play against Rift and against Spy players.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: I think, I think that was a, was a good, great decision that that's, needed that's needed in. today for VR, for multiplayer VR. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, eventually we'll get there to a point where we have yeah, such, such a big install base that multiplayer can really take off. But for us at least, for Apex Construct, it was single player, it was story, it was exploration and interactions. And the last part was that we wanted to have combat in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And what better way we thought to have fun in combat by actually using your body and your arms. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: And
2: what better weapons to do that than than a shield and a bow. So Mm -hmm. that's how we ended up with the bow. The natural way of pulling the string back back with with your your
3: arm
2: and and aiming with your other arm and and Mm -hmm. releasing the string um, meant uh, that it really fit into our sort of... uh, Goal of of bringing that full immersion.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, then Eric, our creative director, has uh, uh, he reads a, uh, uh, <laughs> <movies, laughs> uh, <watched laughs> a lot of science fiction novels, watched a lot of science fiction movies, so he had yeah. toyed with this idea yeah. of uh, AI yeah. and, and, and maybe, maybe humans be being a bit too, uh, too uh, overconfident about their yeah. own more on ethics when it comes to uh, new technology, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know how, how humans eventually would fail if they get their hands on too powerful technology, which is kind of you know a part of the backstory of its constructs. Uh, you, you play as the only human uh, left on earth, you're actually being brought back to earth by an AI called the father um, who asks you to do things for him Uh, he tells you that there's uh, another AI called Mother who he believes is the one uh, behind the uh, extension of all organic life and uh, so he wants you basically to go after Mother Mm -hmm. Uh, and Mother on the other side has her uh, robots she sends to kill you so Mm -hmm. you're stuck in a battle between these AIs uh, in a futuristic Stockholm
3: actually Mm
1: -hmm.
2: The uh, game takes place uh, very close uh, in an area close to our
1: office. I didn't realize um, that, so that that's really interesting.
2: It is. I, there's a bunch of landmarks from Stockholm. There's a bunch of Swedish ingredients, like typical yeah. post boxes and street signs, and there's a subway train that is actually a real subway train. Uh. Uh, so there's uh you know exotic an exotic location maybe for anyone not from Stockholm. But yeah. a Really, really interesting location. Recognizable if you are from Stockholm
1: or if you're Swedish. So, huh? That's really interesting. Now, um, on, on 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 that note, um, I was kind of interested in kind of the approach you took to narration and storytelling, both yeah. from kind of the because in my experience, I mean, one of the things that kind of drew me to the game uh, when I was playing and something that really stood out was the kind of the polish in terms of storytelling, as far as like you have on one hand the really strong narrator that's Like you said, father that is in your ear, you know, throughout the game, kind of telling you kind of his side of the story and kind of what's going on. And then you you hear the other side of the story from from mother and uh, especially at the beginning, kind of comparing what they're talking about with the player versus what the player is experiencing and what the player is able to kind of determine on their own. And then and then you have the environment which, like you said, uh, is full of details, you know, even on the Quest. There's just all kinds of stuff to, to kind of see and kind of derive uh, more storytelling elements from. So, yeah, I'm kind yeah. of curious about about what it was like um, kind of balancing those two things.
2: That's, it's really, it's really, really a key thing for it, exactly, even, exactly, even from a development perspective. perspective. <laughs> uh, Eric uh, yeah, has yeah, branded yeah, this uh, as a narrative-driven yeah, yeah, exploration yeah. I think he's gonna trademark that at some point <laughs> who a book about it. <laughs> but it's, that's it's it's very, very much, much what Apex is about. about uh, we, we didn't, didn't want to put a backstory, backstory in front of the player. Uh, uh, tell, tell them, them things up front, up front and then just send as them as into a world. world. Uh, on or the, or the, the other, other on the you know, on the contrary, we wanted the players to just, just be there and start exploring things and gradually learn about the world and about the motifs so of father or mother. Um, and early on, as you as said, father is in your uh, ears, so to speak. He speaks mm-hmm. to you, uh, but he doesn't really reveal much details about, you know, what happened.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Why, where are all the humans, and why? Who is father really, and why was he built? and you know, why? Sh- why should you do as father asks you to? He, he basically just counts on you doing things for him, mm-hmm. um, and it's up to the player to explore the. The world to understand more about the backstory, and and that's I mean, we didn't we really didn't want any cutscenes in the game. Uh, that's one sort of technical decision we made. Mm-hmm. Uh, always keeping the player in the first person perspective throughout the game, even when there are story developments and when father gets upset or something happens uh, in the surroundings, it's still your perspective. You never you're never taken away. From being you, really, you're never you're never just watching something occur. You're experiencing it, so that's one of the reasons I would say the main reason why we landed on making um, a narrator like Father gradually sort of pull you into the world without telling you too much, telling you just enough so you know where to go and you know sort of the main objective of the game. But then it's really up to you to fill in all the missing pieces around what he's saying. Uh, and part of it, is, you know, of the fun, I would say, is to really explore uh, the environment, find the hidden clues on signs and walls or items lying around, or even in the computers that you can, you know, sort of hack into with passwords mm-hmm. and stuff. You, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to do those things, uh, but if you do, you will get a better understanding of why father, father is asking
1: you to you do things, understand. and your role in the whole conflict as well between the AIs? Huh? No, that's that's really interesting, and it's it's very insightful. Like I, I'm kind of curious, as, especially we have a lot of developers that listen to the podcast as well. Um, j- j- just kind of curious from the perspective of someone that you know was successful in creating a narrative-driven VR title. What are some of the things to that you think should be focused on, uh, especially maybe like from a budgetary constraint point of view, because yeah. because th- there's some things that I would imagine are kind of more costly to implement versus things that you could do that maybe are are easy and maybe not so you know you know nat- I guess obvious but make a big difference yeah. in terms of the storytelling.
2: Yeah, I think I mean we never localized Apex Construct. We never put any subtitles in. Uh, you know, at that point in time. It was a decision that we made. Um, I think if we had been able to go back in time, we would make sure that there were subtitles options and uh, also localization for maybe even the voice. To be honest, because creating a narrative-driven game like Apex Construct uh, really means that you have to you have to get the narrative and you have to experience the narration throughout the game and and uh, sort of at least understand as so much as you can digest what's happening in the world mm-hmm. and, and the information that's being pushed to you. So uh, from a technical standpoint, I, you know, we're all happy that we didn't do subtitles or uh, or voiceover even for, uh, for father and mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's uh, something that we commercially vi- would be commercially viable to do for a game such as Apex. But then then, it, you know, for us, it would be a challenge. Then you know, How do you handle the subtitles? Where do you place them, for example, uh, on the screen? And mm-hmm. How should they behave if you, t- if you quickly turn around and run away from the pe- person who's talking to you? Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have, you know, in the game, there is no sort of human coming up to you and talking to you. Uh, the, the narrative is being presented in your ear by father or from like computer screens. When you, when you hear a mother talk, for example, um, or it's, it's a part of the overall sound of the room, like mother is shouting something. So there's no just one clear direction where the sound is coming from, mm-hmm. which is also a sort of a technical, I won't say limitation, but it's a thing that you have, have to solve for, for in VR, because you never know really where... The play, especially, especially the first person game, you don't know, know where the player will be facing when he's listening or reading
3: mm-hmm.
4: the subtitle. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so so that's, that's, I mean, you know, going forward, I'm pretty sure that we will, will localize, localize uh, our, our games, games now, since mm-hmm. VR is growing, is growing in, you know, in you know uh, South, South America, over Asia, Asia etc. Mm-hmm. There are more and more reasons to actually do that, and, and that will have an impact on narrative-driven games uh, and development for those. Like that, so that's that's I mean that's one thing I think that we have to solve for going forward. Hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you see there are some narrative-driven games on Oculus Quest right now, which I believe handles uh, text on screen uh, in a, in different ways <laughs> and, and you know all interesting ways. But mm-hmm. I I still haven't seen an industry standard. When it comes to storytelling, and also, you know, some some might want to ex- experience or explore with uh, cutscenes or cinematics being shown, etc. We we didn't do that for Apex because mm-hmm. we, we believed it wouldn't be it would take you away from the immersion, break off the immersion. Hmm. Uh, yeah. But it would be interesting to see studios who actually successfully can implement uh, cinematics and cutscenes in their story-driven games. Huh. See how that looks in VR.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a really interesting point. And I guess on the, the, the issue of, of immersion um, and, and, and kind of mixing the narration with the gameplay, I know you talked a, a bit about why you decided to use a bow and a shield and kind of the mechanics of the action. I yeah. wonder if you could speak a little bit about um, the puzzle aspects of the game and also maybe the, I guess, the player Progression side of the game because there's, mm-hmm. I, I think both of those things. I mean, you you take um, aspects from traditional games and kind of bring those into VR, but I think there's also some unique aspects to um, what does and doesn't work in VR um, in regards to those things that you, you guys also took into account. So j- just curious, what it was like kind of figuring out the those mechanics. Yeah. So, so if, if we,
2: we start, start with, with the puzzling elements of the game. Uh, um, <laughs> Quite early on, we, we received loads of feedback from players who said that they liked the game, but they couldn't really make out how to engage with the keyboards <laughs> uh, on the computer terminals. And that's, on paper, for us, it was a really, really cool thing to do. So in Apex, you have these different computer terminals where you can actually type with your fingers on keyboard buttons. Yep. Uh, type in passwords or type open door or type secret stuff or whatever to see what happens. And it, it was really, really great paper design, uh, to be honest. But when it came to actually launching the game and, and see players uh, try to engage with these keyboards, mm-hmm. it wasn't really as fun. And people had trouble typing the right key. They get, got frustrated. Um and at that point, there, were, there was no real option not to engage with some terminals as well. Mm-hmm. And part of the key puzzles of the game were to find passwords to open a door mm-hmm. and type in stuff. So we really, really forced players to uh, manually type each letter on the keyboard. And um, that was not uh, much fun, and it wasn't an easy thing to, to ask for players, because they... Like I said, they kept they kept mistyping. Uh, they tried to delete something, but they accidentally instead put a double K or in you know, whatever. So it mm-hmm. wasn't really. I mean, it, it's more of a design choice from us, I think.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, since we built the game uh, partially on puzzles that were dependent on these computer stations, we had to make an update uh, quite. Uh, soon following the release where we <laughs> added options for uh quick uh, bars yeah so you could yeah instead of typing each word if you had a password it'll it'll show up and then you press that password really and it opened the door so uh, yeah th- yeah that really solved for that on, on that
1: really issue really... yeah on, on that yeah. issue i actually have my own kind of experience and i'm cu- curious as to if if this was just me and how i approached it or if this was how you guys mm-hmm. ended up um, approaching it from a design point, but yeah, I, I noticed for me uh, the first time I used the terminals, it was really fun because I I was like, yeah. oh, that's so cool! It's a keyboard. I can type on yeah. it, and and like I, I I actually in those first couple of times um, was really engaged in in like. I wanted to type out all of the commands, and I thought it was cool that I could go into like it was basically like working in DOS and you know yeah, exactly. looking at directories and opening files, and so so like the first once or twice I yeah. used all of the keys, and I I don't remember seeing like maybe this is just me being focused on the keyboard and not the but I, I noted like I I don't remember seeing the shortcut uh, icons, and I and I didn't have but then a couple of times in when I started getting a little bit like, "Ah, I've done this a few times and I just want to move on, you know, through the puzzles. That's when Mm -hmm. I started noticing the, the shortcuts. So I don't know. So, so, so that I, I don't know if that's how it was designed, but, but I, I was just kind of curious because at least for me, it it was a pretty painless process. Like the first couple of times when it was new um, I was typing and having fun with the typing. And then, as it was no longer kind of an, once the novelty kind of wore off, I yeah. I started you know relying on the shortcuts more. So so I don't I don't know if that was like it, maybe I just missed the shortcuts the first time, but it was kind of an interesting. Like I, I wonder if if part of that has to do with you know uh, yeah. with with I, I wonder if, if if some of these types of things in VR. Um, you know, it's fun for a while and then you can kind of move on from it, if that makes sense. I, I think,
2: think so. Yeah, I do, do think so. so. There's, I, think I think there's, there's very, very, very few gameplay game mechanics, mechanics that you can sort of rinse and repeat for a long time that still is fun. I think combat is one scenario where you can, with small differences in combat, for example, that can still be enjoyable and fun. Uh, yeah. You know, speaking about the pro- progression system and Apex that you asked about as well, we, yeah. we decided to, you know, let the player evolve during the during the adventure by collecting RP, which is called the radiance points in the game. It's basically the experience currency. Uh, you get those by finding secrets or killing enemies. Uh, they drop that sometimes for you. Um, and each, between each mission you get to the safe house. That's also something we really wanted players to... Uh, have in VR a place to go back to and just rest for a while and, and look at your sort of weaponry, look at your collectibles and, and breathe
3: mm-hmm. and then
2: start your next mission again.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and in the safe house, you can, if you want to, of course, or, or if you're more of a hardcore gamer, you might skip it, but you can upgrade your uh, bow, your arrows and your shield to do more, you know, take more damage or do more damage, etc. Um, so, Sorry. but it, it's still I mean it's its not an RPG it's more like an like, action adventure with light RPG elements I would say
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, and we decided upon that route because uh, having too much of a, a information field progression system would be tricky to percent in VR mm-hmm.
3: um,
2: the inventory that you have in Epic's Construct is uh, on your left arm when you press a button really and mm-hmm. it's it's quite sort of uh, it's it presented in a very obvious and nice, tidy way. We didn't want to overburden it with a lot of metrics on uh, where you are in your progression with this and this and this metric. So uh, that was also a challenge for us, like to to have a, a progression system that makes it worthwhile to actually explore mm-hmm. and kill enemies and maybe mm-hmm. even replay missions if you wanted to, mm-hmm. uh, without asking too much of the players without sort of throwing too much information in their faces Mm -hmm. because that's that's really not what our game is about it's about the exploration and the interaction with the world and the feeling of being there and taking on the next mission um so that's how we landed upon that uh sort of progression system i think it would have been different if the if apex was a flat screen game Mm -hmm. and that's that's mostly down Down to to UI, ui i would say um, in a flash screen game you know you're pretty used to bringing up a menu or, or post the game you bring up a menu and you can quite easily digest a lot of data uh, in the screen in front of you mm-hmm. put on your armor or, or spend your currency or whatever and upgrade something and then move on into the game mm-hmm. um, and we are, for us at least, we decided to have a station specifically set for this in the safe house. Mm-hmm. So you have, you have to go. So we went
0: from from, from Vive. Mm-hmm. So that the, the, the the porting process of Space Pirate Trainer has gone from Vive to Oculus, uh, to Oculus Touch, upgrade um, to Windows Mixed Reality. To PlayStation mm-hmm. VR to Quest. Uh, it's also, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just and so it's it's been a um, from a very triumphant we're yeah, all based the, on room scale uh, down to the PSVR annoying. which is based on couch scale. we have to and trying to make the gameplay so work on all the devices. Yeah. The, it's been a mission um, but no, we I, think we've, yeah, we've yeah, achieved I liked, it.
1: Like I like that, that balance, we, we got because, um, a small yeah, like team said, here in Belgium it, to help yeah, us out with the PlayStation release. do and the work that they did. To, um, but at the same time, it, it, it prevents you from also being distracted they, they built and, a, a, and breaking the a immersion when you're actually in the level. So it's kind of like when you're, feels when a you're like in the levels, uh, engaged the live, with the gameplay um, mechanics... Chakra. You're not kind of
0: um, when you because the way the camera is tracking the PSVR works. Uh, it's this you know, code menu
1: system comes in out world. of the, of the, of the yeah. PlayStation. But when you're but when you're, it's when you're saved, I still, yeah, when you I think it engaged yeah. with the screen. Uh, the PlayStation Eye um, sends out this this card like, like as most cameras. Then, this is this you know, round you don't, shape. You're not being pulled in kind
0: of two directions at once. That round
1: cone
0: is uh, where your tracking works outside of that cone the camera can't see you um so you have to stay inside that cone and what what brecht did this amazing little developer here in belgium um he as the, 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 the camera tracked the controller going close to the cone it would put a guardian style boundary <laughs> up in front of the player. <laughs> and so the player always knew to stay Very within cool. inside that,
1: um, that, that well, zone. I guess the and so last, you never really um, felt the like you were losing track, because kind of you were always with this virtual um, boundary. I wanted to know kind of yeah, what yeah. maybe some of the keys um, and so in it's still in still limitations to making, making Apex constructs around feel around like five a meter complete Sure, You're limited to a more about a... That was one of the three meter that I by to uh, meet space. When but I still yeah, more I mean, than enough in the, the beginning space I thought like part and especially okay, when the game itself kind, like uh, like kind of understands what area you're a, supposed a to be staying and is actively kind of reminding of you more I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what the gameplay was, used to
0: was, was uh, um, console games, still console um still encouraging like traditional games as opposed to It was almost like some of the titles out there
1: that are kind of shorter kind of like I don't even think I was necessarily the length of the game to you know the the game length We were already bigger than that for substantial but that's amazing. There. are other games um, out so, there that are similar yeah, line, when we first thought about that project something about expanding in my like, like no opinion no other just game felt like on on PSVR encouraged you to stand up. from the, the other titles jump. out there so yeah, uh, I, I was just and, kind of wondering um, what what you yeah, think well, some of the, the key more, aspects were to, to make it feel that Well, way. well no, I mean, I, like I said, I think everybody's super, super, super happy to be able to play Space Pirate Trainer on any system they have, so, because it's one of those games that, again, no matter what type of VR system that you're playing on, it's like, yeah, you want to play that. I mean, it's just, yeah, uh, yeah so, uh, so that's, the, yeah, I, I'm sure everyone's grateful, especially people that don't have the other systems that they're able to, to play your game on, on their device.
0: Well, we're, we're honored to be part of that Mm -hmm. little club of of games that gets the honor to be released on these systems like um we're really proud of our game but to be on up on the same store this week as as beat saber and super hot um it's it's and job simulator, like these these games are amazing, and to have our game up with them as
1: well is is really an honor. Yeah, no, no, it's an honor well deserved. Like I was saying, so no, thank you guys for putting in so much amazing work, like. Yeah, the amount of time that I've spent with Space Pirate Trainer and the amount of people that I think have been sold on VR due to Space Pirate Trainer. Are, is It's just an incredible feat that you guys have been able to do. Yeah, receive, so. I,
0: I, I think I started this off by talking about my history with, with, with VR. The first game I played in VR myself was Space Pirate Trainer, the, the prototype that Dirk
4: made.
0: And it sold me on, on what VR could be, and I'm still absolutely behind it.
1: Yeah, no, and, and something you said at the beginning of our recording kind of struck with me. Because for some reason, I mean, I, I've been playing VR a lot for the past few years, obviously. Um, but it was something that kind of just dawned on me recently when I got the Quest, ironically. It was just how I, I kind of, like, my whole life I've kind of been, I've been into video games, right? I've, I've loved all kinds of different games. Um, but I don't know the last couple of weeks I think I started realizing that I'm kind of getting out of, of my love of some of those traditional 2D games and really VR is starting to take over as really the only way I want to play going forward mm-hmm. and that's something that that's just, I mean I'm sure there, there's obviously going to be games out there that, you know like that I have to play so that are 2D or whatever, but uh, especially with the quest being so easy that I can just pick it up and play it anywhere, it's just fin- finally kind of superseding that part of my life where I could kind of see myself not having that other thing that I've gotten, that I've been so used to for so long, because I now have some, have something that in a lot of ways, just makes me so much more immersed and so much more into the game experience than I ever was before. So, yeah,
0: as, as we, we both started off talking about having family as well, um, yeah, one of the reasons why I, I still am addicted to my Switch, for example, is that I can play that while interacting with other people That's in, in the local space. That is so true. I see, I see room for, for VR being everywhere but I also see a, um, I, I still pick up Into the Breach on my um, Switch like every time I can yeah. Yeah. or play Animal Crossing on my phone or whatever um there's there's absolutely in my mind space for both to exist. Yeah, uh, long okay. into the so, future. Yeah, yeah. Um, Moving on to I guess uh,
1: what is the like but to
0: the, bring the quest has made that a lot easier. That
1: I do a bit more play Beat Saber a lot more
0: than I used to. to
1: like, yeah. I just put it on. The, uh, I play three sorry, tracks the, and then I the, go back to playing something limited, on my Switch or uh, doing platforms. my work or. So, I guess I'm playing PlayStation um, VR because it's now so much so easier for me I to think just our technical challenges start VR. Because uh, it, it's also instant on. PlayStation put it on your head and you're uh, in the you same know, game you just VR? left. Yep. As opposed to having to
0: boot up a PC, you know, go through the driver updates, direct, like hope that nothing's broken, work out why your yep. dongles and then, aren't and then dongling anymore. It's just a plug and go experience with the quest
1: yeah no and you're right like I, I should I should calm myself down in terms of I really I think it's just a matter of we have so many great options now in terms of hardware that like you were kind of saying before, Uh, whatever whatever the whatever hardware you need to best implement or best best express the gameplay concepts that you're trying to to get across uh, that's kind of the hardware you should be using And so now now finally i i think me personally vr is getting to the point where if if i want to be kind of immersed in a world within the game and to be able to, for me personally, VR is kind of the best version of that, of those types of experiences. But yeah, there's so many types of experiences where, uh, yeah, they, you don't need to be in a, in a place necessarily. You are playing with your friends or you're doing this or that. And so, yeah, so obviously, yeah, both. Yeah, these are just thoughts that recently have been popping into my head. And, and, and like I said, I'm me personally, I'm surprised just because I've been... I've been using VR for a long time now, and I didn't—I didn't necessarily have those thoughts maybe even like six, seven months ago. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just something that started creeping up with some of with the Quest and and with some of these other and yeah, it's just it's interesting.
2: The
0: frame. Yeah, from from our team, like yeah, we're still all obsessed with like any video game. Um, our our team meetings for a long time were held in PUBG. Um, like now sure we I just um, um, we very mm. rarely meet up in yeah. VR. Yeah, um, most of our meetups yeah. are done in person or in in Discord or in the chat of a video game. That's um, awesome. But, shooting, but so VR is important to us and to yeah, our day to day engagement we with with gaming. But um, it's it's not a replacement. Camera,
1: no, that's no, that's awesome. In, on that topic, I, where do you see VR n- naturally expanding in the future? Are, are you guys, you know, just kind of riding the flow of where mm-hmm. the technology are, or is there a specific direction that you'd like to see VR take?
0: Um, so yeah, I think we we sort of hummed and hawed around it before. Um, to pass-through day, experience of
1: of, of, of the Guardian mm-hmm. system in in and then I, guess, quest, I, guess moving, I think is, to me, from, from one of the, the, of the, the, the game then to the, the, the quest because I hints the and I think at OC five keynote, Oculus even mentioned it, to the that the, the future of of
0: um, augmented even, reality is probably virtual reality and I'm really really interested in seeing how that grows
1: by teams that are smarter than me. The six degrees of freedom tracking and it. Be as putting in enough artificial them, intelligence to de detect wireless, think, the items in your house as well. and to be able to, uh, what was to it like virtualize there?
0: them in an augmented uh, way. Uh, um, uh, I, I, we've only just started. Like some of the stuff um, from the Modbox guys um, in, on, in the old five days. Like the, 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 they're Amazing. The, the AR stuff, the, the demos that they're making for, for hardware that doesn't, doesn't exist yet. Uh,
4: um,
0: create, they're just blowing bubbles in space a, with their Vive controllers, but in uh, real space, uh, not in a virtual okay. space, in their actual house. And, if we could make and I can see like in a not too distant VR, future, like even in this of generation of the Quest, it being possible to interact with your actual play space in an AR sort of way. Kind of um, it'll be a bit clunky because well, it'll be black and, and white for imagery for and stuff. It won't be amazing. Uh, um, but, I mean, uh, amazing uh, so in the sense so of, of March, fidelity. Uh, yeah, it will uh, be groundbreaking uh, in, uh, in uh, the I sense of, of, of from not just even from gameplay, but uh, user interactivity. Um, so that's that's where I see something being really amazing in the next couple of years from Oculus. I think that they've got a really interesting stack that they're building. And their ability to do AR example, within VR is going to get crazy. That's I think. exciting. this is just my yeah. this is just me. This was looking at the direction of what was said at the keynote and what they've delivered in, in the quest. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I can see this is like ground one for their AR ambition. Um,
2: uh, arm, of course they have but it, yeah we'll see we'll see what actually happens like, I don't
0: know how easy the these things are to solve I think they're <laughs> very difficult yeah of um, course yeah like um, yeah that's what's one thing the next thing is more, just moving outside of room scale is a huge design. importance yeah. to me personally like with, so really uh, Dirk and I have, have been playing with um, um we also had, Windows uh, Mixed reality uh, in larger spaces for a while and that's just super fun to just be in a big space walking around. Um,
1: is there a way, like, a, something that I've always thought, is there a way that you can link different sized and shaped spaces together to have one large? Like, it, Would there be a way, like, for the quest, for example, like, i this is a thought I've had: is to be able to, is, is to be able to map out like several rooms and walk mm-hmm. between uh, them. Yeah, I think that's possible now. Like I yeah.
0: um, haven't tried it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't know it's how useful about, that
0: would be. Like, but in in my house I have uh, three different levels mm-hmm. of three different sized small rooms. Yeah. Um, I mean, and so I I, I take my quest I regularly from my, my office down well, to the lounge room the morning, to the kitchen. Uh, of course, you know you have to. Um, and in each of those rooms, I have a zone like, mapped out, and it remembers where I've gone are, most of the time. Yeah. Um, uh, not have as much. I very rarely. I don't think I've ever walked between those zones. Areas
1: that yeah. That down no, I so I'm just not sure thought, if it's yeah.
0: physically possible, but it uh, might be.
1: Yeah. No. Just I, I. just remember thinking like how cool it would be if you could like if you if you could somehow connect multiple play spaces together to have an even like larger like in situations where you don't have a perfect square but you want to be able to move around in a large environment.
0: Um, well, one, of, of one of the issues with the that is the difficulty is of making really a pre-rendered um, mm-hmm. uh, space Because you know, yeah. the Quest hardware it isn't that great at doing on-the-fly um, lighting Okay, uh, um, Which that, is quite important like, for a space to be believable Yeah, that makes sense So for a space to feel like it's beautiful, you do have to do a lot of the lighting as a pre-render Understood um and that and is really quite hard to do attached to it. for yeah, yeah. for um any form of configuration. So if you had a space that was had a little bit yeah, of no, kitchen, and, and a little and bit in the bathroom, in a little the, bit in the hallway, the um that would require a lot of fidelity, very custom or uh, being,
1: being relatively uh, high. I mean, it's uh, one of those things generated have with quest games. I mean, yeah. as long as you're able no, to maintain the scope yeah, and of the title, really. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. The, the oh, okay, finer perfect. details of the experience, of like the fact that um, you're immersed in yeah, the environment no, that, that and especially with the wireless yeah, so, nature of the quest, uh, okay. you're able to so to move around so freely like in the environment that it's sometimes even easier to forget. About I'm not going to say it's impossible. I'm just going to say aspects won't be of what you're looking at versus the artistic elements. No, that makes sense. Yeah, which is not to say that strong point of of a construct the quest. I think the artistic um, elements. You can do some crazy stuff really on the
0: Game Boy to make and, it look yeah. beautiful. So and, um, there are always workarounds yeah. and ways to optimize. Yeah.
1: and so no, and, I, I'm and, uh, really, really, uh, really interested the to see what of developers are able the title to push with the quest, quest hardware. What are some of the things in your coming opinion, forward very hand, um, cool. In, in terms of, in terms of like the, the high-end, like their Where do you see VR going in terms of from other standalone versus high-end PC versus? I mean, obviously, in the near future, we're going to. Have a lot of high-end your, PC VR. Experience and we're going to, uh, you know, have standalone kind of, of being separate. But it, it sounds like you guys are pretty um, sold on the uh, idea of for, for the of of, we of we wire wireless and standalones uh, really being the way we moving forward in the future.
0: System. Um. So no, I see. I see room for um like high fidelity VR. Like having an amazing screen on your head is so much better. Um. But uh, where we're excited is just new gameplay technology That's where our our company is built around gameplay and what's fun Mm -hmm. to play. Um, And that can be done with a tethered system, it's just that we prefer right now to explore with um, our feet, Yeah, um, and so that just makes our current direction that we want to go in, and that we are excited about, based around what is mobile, what, what is portable, um, and that can be done quite easily with a backpack PC, or with, with a, um, a wireless dongle plugged into your headset, like this is still feasible.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, um, and, and it's just that it's not as as, as, as simple as sticking on a quest. Uh, yeah, um, but that's not to say that our that future is only you quest it's, um, it's a future. A yes, yeah, long. I'm no, really, really, to to yes, yeah. I'm no, really, really excited no, about um, the forthcoming high fidelity VR systems. Yeah, they're beautiful. I really look forward to experiencing more from that. But it's so much easier to put on a quest
1: and why Quest would need it. No, I, yeah, I agree. No, I, again, as, as someone that, as, like, mm-hmm. as, as someone that kind of put the money down on all of these different things, like, I I could not have, I could, I could not let myself not have, I could not have a Quest. I could not, I had to have a, a Valve index. I have, I have to have all of these different systems because they all kind of bring something unique to the table. They're all really, really good at what they do from what I understand. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited about all of it just as I think everybody else is out there so it's just yeah it's interesting to see kind of where everything has gone up to this point and it'll be interesting to see I guess where where things move forward once they're out on the market yeah for sure
0: I I'm really um I'm really curious to see how the index performs when it comes like it, it's already been sold out for, for months um, I don't have yep I have no idea how many have sold but I do know that at least a few to be quite a popular device yeah. and it seems to have taken Valve by surprise. Um, okay no
1: that's good advice but the uh, yeah the, uh, so, the, yeah, the future of VR it, a little bit is totally questionable but I know uh, it's exciting uh, now I think it's, no it's I, I hear you the, as far as uh, the, the, the where future of Eye illusions. I, I don't know if you I don't think, your, think you guys have made any kind of announcements or anything like that so besides the you know continuing to push Space Pirate Trainer on on as many platforms as you can obviously recently bringing to Quest you know what are you guys up to now, and what do you look forward to in the future the announcement was is, yeah, um, is we going are to be made still and, and very, very, made, very, very passionate yeah, the about uh, this. I'm experiments with virtual
0: reality uh, E3, um, and uh, we hope an, to be able to talk about that uh, real. more soon. Uh, what we've been playing with. Kind of mm. First, but I guess, really. For the I, last I
1: heard the three of years, we've just been so, yeah,
0: uh, going hard the, at working out what is announcing. possible in virtual reality so, uh, and what we enjoy in virtual reality. Um, working with all of the different teams um, around the world on just experiencing their products, um, make some great narrative stuff from the team at Cloudhead. Mm-hmm. Um, some amazing gameplay from from the teams at um, Vertigo Games. Mm-hmm. We've made uh, Arizona Sunshine mm-hmm. and Skyworld. Um, yeah, going forward, we we just want to continue making amazing experiences. It was um, so good. Um, that we felt, And that had will most likely release. be in the shape of, of a virtual reality product soon the sometime. but No we may end up going back to making to phone to games maybe if food food we have one be, that we want to like made I, with a lot of I know that, that uh, Dirk himself has wanted to release his phone game that he paused for um the Vive. The, the snowboarding yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. He's still well, very passionate about that. And every now and then I see him daydreaming about what if, what if. Uh-huh. Uh, he's a very passionate snowboarder. And, yeah, I'm, I'm always, always curious. In the back of my mind, I just know that someday he's going to want to make that um, – that, that real, but I know that right now our, our absolute dedication is on on these awesome. Well, yeah. we we have so much unanswered stuff and we want to be there to um to experience it.
1: Well, yeah. Thank you again for for taking the time to speak with me today. And and like I said, I I am sure I speak for everybody else out there and Zane and Damon who you know weren't able to make it today. That you know, thank you guys so much for bringing such an amazing title out. Like I said, I'm gonna. Give Get off of this recording, and I'm going to go play some more Space Pirate Trainer now. So it's just well, one of those things like, yeah, you guys have brought so much fun to so many people. So,
0: Well, um, on behalf of Illusions, Wim, Dirk and I, um, and all of our amazing... Um, the game is, uh, guys who have helped us out uh, over the last three years of developing, thank you so much to you and your team and and to all the players out there who have been dancing up the leaderboards. We um, have had a lot of fun making Space Pirate Trainer but it wouldn't be anywhere if it wasn't for the community helping us out during the early access days and continuing to help out um, and support us. We
1: really appreciate it. Alright, well thanks Chris and uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing more from you guys in the future.
2: the settings menu in Apex Construct is, there's a lot of options, (laughs) which it has to be for a first-person action adventure, but Cure's Tale of the Stone Pets is a totally different thing. So we're super excited about that game and what it can do from a VR accessibility standpoint. Mm -hmm. Uh, We really want players to take their time and enjoy the world and the music and the surroundings and interact with the environment and all that and move on at their own pace. That's
1: really exciting.
2: yeah. 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 And we're releasing this game for the Oculus Quest and for PlayStation VR and the other PC VR headsets as well. This fall. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring some more information about this game
1: uh, towards the end of the summer. Excellent. That's exciting to hear just... From my perspective, it, it almost, uh, and again, I haven't seen the assets or anything like that yet, but it okay. sounds to me like it harkens to some of those, some of the titles I tend to go, go back to the most in VR, which is like, if you can have a high quality, um, accessible experience, that's something that uh, I think you can share with people easily and kind of, and show people the magic of VR in a very, you know, yeah, yeah. intuitive way. Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly what we're hoping this game will bring.
2: I mean, it, it is not made by a massive team. There's not, you know, tens of millions of budget in going into production here. This is more of a down-to-earth, passionate, heart-filled project for us.
4: Uh, and
2: who knows where it goes? We'll see. We're excited to see about the reception when we when we let players to try out this game for the first time. Um, but of course, you know, we, we also like the the bigger, the bigger productions like like Construct of course, and uh, so uh, and this will most likely be uh, a very exciting thing is for a bunch of VR players out there. Um, but we have just announced that we are making budget cuts too, together with uh, Neat Corporation, who made the first game. Uh, Neat Corporation is a Swedish VR studio. We used to share offices with them. Uh, in Stockholm, actually, before we moved out uh, to different locations, uh, but we're still very close to each other in Stockholm, we're friends since, uh, since years past, so uh, we've been toying ideas back and forth, you know, about VR, what could be done in VR, what worked great in Apex, what didn't work great, and they have a lot of experience from uh, the first Body Catch, which mm-hmm. was a massive success, of course, I mean... It's, yeah,
1: it- just to let you yeah. know we, we've had i think at this point several people from their team on, on our show before so and oh, we're really cool. familiar with them yeah that's cool,
2: that's cool. I, mean, they, they're, I mean they're, they're, they're very different, 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 as different as a studio than we are, than we are. Uh, uh they're much sure. younger <laughs> and uh <laughs> we're, we're much older so but <laughs> it's, it's, it's <laughs> great because we have different kind of experiences in the gaming industry and we have different kind of mindsets and, and different kind of mentalities when it comes to gameplay design and art and stuff like that. And it's been a really great marriage now. So, um, you know, Bodycut 1 had a demo a couple of years back that was hugely successful. Mm
3: -hmm. The
2: full release of the first game was uh, early summer last year. And it's been a a massive success for Need Corporation. So it's it's super exciting to sort of co-develop the sequel together with them. Um, You don't have to have played the first game to enjoy the sequel as well it's a standalone sequel uh, but of course it's also a continuation of the stuff that occurred in the first game so if you ever played the first game or if mm-hmm. you're thinking about it you will most likely uh, find things details and stuff and parts of the narrative in the second one that that excites
1: you even more Huh? interesting and uh, I, I know yeah. you guys uh, obviously have you know, focused on on narrative and storytelling and that sort of. Uh, what yeah. what I guess are you guys bringing to the table as far as like, uh, why did it make sense to kind of partner on on this project, I guess, and 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 yeah. what are your main goals with with the the sequel compared to the original?
2: Um, so our, our creative director, is also uh, a writer of the sequel. Okay. Um, so we're trying to sort of expand on. the the story, story from the first, from the first game, game which, was, which was, you know, you, 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 spend, your, you spend your time in, in an office space, really. Um, and you had a story of, of robots taking over all the humans' uh, roles, <laughs> the human role, really, in existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in the sequel, we are bringing the player out from the office spaces to a uh, whole plethora of different uh, environments. And you actually get to take down transport this time rather than just sort of being uh, reactive and try, try, try to stay hidden in the first game. This time uh, it's still a lot about you know, sneaking and stealth, uh, but you're also being a much more proactive. You have more toys to play with and you're actually going into the belly of the beast to take down the whole corporation of robots before, uh, before humans are completely extinct. So part of it is very much the narration of the game, uh, but you know, there's a most of our studio is, is involved in the uh, in the development at some point, uh, huh. both in terms of art, in terms of tech, in terms of gameplay design. There is uh, there is a bow uh, as a weapon
4: in the sequel, okay. for example. Okay.
2: Uh, but we, it's not it's not the bow that we we made exclusively. But it's stuff like that, like sure. trying to expand on the gameplay, the environments you get taken to, uh, and the journey you make throughout the game. Is you know we don't we don't reuse an environments. You don't travel back to previously used environments. This is very much a, a massive tale from uh, the start to finish that takes you. Through across a well, super cool environment. I mean, you're you're standing on the top of a train, or you're inside an elevated in, in, in the in the Transcorp Industries um, building. Uh, the next scene, etc. So uh, variation is a big thing.
1: That's that's
2: really exciting. Um, and the game is actually called cuts to Mission Insolvency. So. Uh, Yeah. You know, at this point in time, we will have revealed the very first trailer in the game. Mm -hmm. And we'll have seen some gameplay as well, which is available on both the Fast Travel Games and uh, the Corporation YouTube channels. And, of course, in the Upload E3 VR showcase, Mm -hmm. where we presented it. And we are releasing it this year for uh, all the high-end PC headsets at this point in time. Uh, That's as much as we can say. Uh, We're hoping to bring it to PC VR as well, but we'll see about that uh, when we end up. But right now, it's it's uh, it's uh, HTC Vive, Oculus Rift, and the uh, Windows Mixed Reality.
1: Okay, and, and and just curious, like I don't know how much you're able to share with me, in, as far as like the tech side of things, but does does the mm-hmm. game share more in common with budget cuts, or is it, or more in common with Apex uh, Construct? Like, who's
2: yeah. yeah. I think uh, it's, it's it's we're definitely building on the foundations of of cuts. So okay. So we have we haven't really used any much assets from Apex into this. Okay. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the development has been from the ground up for the sequel. Okay.
4: Um,
2: but I guess uh, anyone from the tech team could answer this in more detail
1: than me. Understand. Okay, yeah. and, and yeah. as far as the the first game, again, like it's kind of this is an interesting uh, uh, situation because it kind of involves it involves a, 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 an original game that you didn't work on, uh, but does is is the games still like the original budget cuts kind of had an emphasis on, on room scale VR? And I, I didn't know if that was something that was still
3: going to be a focus of the sequel or if it is. Okay. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah very much, much so. I mean,
2: that's the good, good part, part of the first game are being brought to the sequel as well. And, and room scale and the unique way you move around in the game, even through the, um, the teleportation uh, aspect, which is sort of custom made for, for body That's that's staying in the sequel.
1: Um, that, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. really, yeah, I mean, given that, yeah, I guess Budget Cuts was one of the first titles, really, that introduced some of those mechanics to VR, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly,
2: exactly, exactly.
1: So, that's, no, that's no, exciting. It it exciting.
3: exciting. It is
1: exciting,
2: and, then, you, know, you know, hopefully okay, we'll be able to share more again towards the end of the summer, summer. Uh, from this game.
1: Awesome. Well, okay. Well, that's, that's news to me. So like I said, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the announcement yet. So I'm, I'm super excited by that. And, and I, I can't wait to kind of see the, see everything that you guys are going to announce at the Upload VR showcase. So, Yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, there's
2: a bunch of cool stuff happening at the
1: moment, and <laughs> it's
2: all coming this year.
1: So. All right. Excellent. Well, uh, I guess before we kind of wrap things up, um, you know, I think this discussion was a really great, uh, kind of summary of kind of where VR has been and, and, and part of where it's going. But I, I wanted to kind of get your take on, on that in terms of, I mean, it sounds like, um, you know, from, a kind of, of a, a marketing hat standpoint, um, from what your role is, um, and fast travel games, there's certain things that you'd like to see be more developed on the VR platforms as far as, you know, metrics and all of that, though, that is, I guess, part of what's so exciting about being a, a part of this industry. Um, but but where would you like to see things move forward and on that front, but perhaps just more generally, just as someone that loves VR, like, what are you excited about seeing happening in this space in the coming you know months and years?
2: Well, well I... I- Really, really excited, excited, excited about, about the start Oculus Quest, Quest. First, first and foremost. And we see and hear things now, and, and VR, VR is being is talked about in a way that we haven't seen before. You see, uh, you know, lifestyle influencers or or traditional media or, or general gaming media who hasn't really covered gaming uh, VR before uh, talking about VR, which is, uh, and that's due to the Oculus Quest now being put in, in the hands of people who haven't really gotten the chance to experience VR before.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that, that sort of, I don't think, like, you know, people, in experts in the industry always talk about when will the hockey stick occur? When will when will the iPhone be here for VR? You know, when will mobile phones, when will see a mobile phone take off for VR? I think uh, Oculus Quest is the first step towards that at some point
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, so uh, we as a studio are super excited about making more content for the Oculus Quest apparently it's off to a really good start I mm-hmm. hope that Oculus actually has stock enough to uh, to fill demands <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's being outsold all over the place right now and we haven't really seen much uh, coming into uh, physical retail in Europe yet so mm. I, still, I still think like the next few months and you know towards the end of this year we will will have our eyes on what the Oculus Quest impact really means for the industry Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, on the other side of course you have the uh, high-end VR development happening as well so Valve Index is just weeks away for being released and it's it's just you know I personally I'm in love with it Uh, I think it's uh, you know, I love the Quest as well. I love how easy VR is to, to just engage with now. But I'm also a sucker for, you know, those kind of high-end experiences that really, really uh, brings me somewhere else with the attention to details and the fidelity and the resolution and the field of view, mm-hmm. and all those things that, you know, in all fairness, Quest hasn't pushed those uh, areas yet. Mm-hmm. What, Quest, what Quest does is pushing the accessibility and... and a potential start of mass adoption for VR to a completely new audience. Um, but I'm personally equally excited to see what's happening on the high-end spectra of the industry. Uh, but then I think, you know, if Quest is the, the thing to watch out for this year, I am also excited about uh, the Vive Cosmos mm-hmm. uh, coming from HTC, which mm-hmm. we, haven't, we haven't been given much details yet, but it mm-hmm. looks like it's going to be Sort of a um, hybrid between the standalone quest version, quest like headset and yeah. the headset that you can power yeah. to your to your iPhone or your computer if you want a more you know high end experience. And that's yep. on paper on paper that's super exciting. And then, I uh, agree. Yeah,
1: no, I'm I'm the awesome. same way and I actually I'm kinda of surprised. I mean if anything from from my perspective, I just wish we had more details on it because it's one of those things where uh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. details that are out there are super yeah. interesting. Yep. So I, yeah, I can't wait to learn more, but man, like I, I, it, yeah, it seems like a strange, a strange move to not release some of those details now, given how much hype there is on all of these other platforms. Like I, I, I really, yeah, yeah I, I really want to see kind of what that is because if it is, if it does end up being that hybrid, I think that that is going to fill an important kind of void that we have in the marketplace right now.
4: Yeah. yeah
2: I, I mean, and then, and, 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 the, second, the last part, maybe, that that really excites me is the uh, continued support from Sony for VR. Uh, they have announced that, that PlayStation 5 will support the current PSVR headset, which is, of course, great. Hopefully, it's going to be a bit more integrated now with the HDR and everything going through the actual hardware. Yeah. But just, just the fact that you can continue to play PSVR on PlayStation 5 Um and with all the signs, of course, that they are also most likely making PSVR two, yep. but but maybe one or two years into the lifecycle of PSVR five, yep. that's also very encouraging for me. It, it yeah. means a lot to have, you know, one of the world, maybe the world's biggest console first party platforms mm-hmm. uh, supporting VR. I
3: agree. I would,
2: I would love to see Microsoft doing the same thing with Xbox. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know that's likely to happen at some point. So, you know, do that, please, <laughs> and then then we have all the boxes ticked for VR to to really take off.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine what that would do for the install base because obviously yeah. the the Sony install base is huge. But to have the entire you know kind of high end console market space be a, poten- a potential platform VR would be really amazing. And I exactly. mean, exactly,
2: so yeah, it's- as a developer creating a, a cross platform game that also you know, includes Microsoft uh, yeah. and Xbox. It could, be, it could mean a big, big difference in terms of end, end revenue and getting getting development costs back.
1: Yeah, so, no, yeah. I, I totally agree. And as, as a podcast that has been mostly focused on the PC VR side of things, I can yeah. tell you that, like, I am often super envious of kind of a, some of the amazing titles that have came out on the PlayStation side because I think they're doing a great job of, of being able to fund and and bring to the market uh a lot of stuff that uh wouldn't be be coming out otherwise you know there's i agree i agree agree. and and, and, you know they do a lot of great games i mean i I personally think
2: that you know the best vr games 2018 uh, came out on the playstation vr yeah no i Uh, i don't disagree so yeah so that's it's all it's only a good thing if you know other uh, First-party companies get involved into VR as well. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's um, I do think that you know we're closing in on 10 million sold VR headsets, uh, which is I know for some companies a breaking point to even think about entering VR. Uh, like one the bigger flat-screen publishers, for example, they might see an interest in using some of their known IPs to to try uh, and test the waters in VR, if the install base is big enough. And 10 million is, is what we're likely to hit, I think early next year or so.
1: That'd be amazing.
2: That would be amazing. So it is, it is really exciting times for VR. I think Quest has given that boost now that the industry needed. And with the other things happening as well, it's, it's very encouraging to be working in this industry at the moment.
1: No, I, I couldn't agree more and as just someone that's been enjoying the the content that, that all of you guys put out I mean yeah it's and there's so much to play right now regardless of what platform <laughs> you have and there's a lot of things to look forward to so yeah so exactly. so awesome well uh, I guess one last thing and, and because this just popped into my head and since I have you on the show I, I might okay. as well ask in case you're able to talk about it for for budget cuts too. Um, I I don't know. I don't think you mentioned anything about like Valve Index specific support. Mm-hmm. It, it, are you guys planning on on doing kind of any any special kind of features for the Index controllers or anything like that, or is that something that you can't really talk about yet? Well, well the, the gameplay game that,
2: that, uh, uh, has, has been, been just been shown the show, on the upcoming VR or E3 showcase. Uh, that's actually on the Valve Index. So, oh, okay. Yeah,
3: awesome. Leave it
2: there.
1: <laughs> okay, perfect. So I guess that'll speak for itself. Yeah, I guess. So. Okay, well, that's 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 fun to hear because yeah, as someone that is eagerly awaiting to get you know his his index, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to trying as many titles that have you know controller support as possible, and and I'm looking forward to trying some of those unique features of the index, so.
2: Right. right. Yeah. Me yeah, I, I too. It's, it's, it's an amazing. It's an amazing effort. Effort. So yeah. Awesome. Three more weeks, I guess from now or, or
1: two more weeks when this, when this, yeah. occurs, I guess. No, exactly. So, all right. Awesome. Well, um, thanks again for, for, for joining us on the show and, uh, for people interested in kind of, you know, in following, uh, uh, fast Travel Games, uh, more closely for giving you guys feedback, um, for for following you know the progression of, of your new titles. Uh, what's mm-hmm. the best way for people to do that?
2: I'd say our, our social accounts, of course, is uh, at Fast Travel Games on uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, the website is uh, fasttravelgames.com. It's really, really complicated stuff here, but uh, <laughs> on, there, on there you can find, uh, you know, if you want to send an email to us, for example, or if you want to apply for a job or something, uh, everything, is, uh, everything is present on the official website. So I'd say those are the main channels. Okay. Excellent
1: all right well thanks again and yeah we look forward to to learning more about uh, budget cuts too about uh about the curse uh, the curious tale of the stolen pets and and i look forward to spending more time with apex construct so uh thanks again for for joining me today of course course, thanks for having me it's great fun all right well take care and we'll be in touch yep Yep. take
2: care care. care. bye-bye